Welcome to another edition of Midweek Mentions. I'm your host, Matt Santini. You know what? Let's do something a little bit different this week. Welcome to Something Personal. This is Matt Santini. Yes, Something Personal. All by myself this week. And for a few reasons, I decided to go ahead and record something. Of course, Something Personal is kind of along the lines of David Sampson's Nothing Personal. We'll talk about him in just a minute. But why uh, going about it this particular fashion this week, I'll tell you. Number one, we owe you some content every single week. And with busy lives, sometimes that becomes a challenge for some. And so the other part of that is I've got some things on my mind I want to share with you. Uh, Again, a little bit more of the homage to David Sampson, but the fact that he's not afraid to make himself vulnerable and kind of stand out there. I don't know that this is going to be 45 minutes. It may be 10, but we do owe you some content every week, and there are really a surprising number of people that make it a priority to listen to our podcast every week, and we certainly do appreciate that, all of the Lauer After Hours a family of podcasts, but in particular, Midweek Mentions, a project that a number of us, you know, uh, myself, Aunt, Allie, Schweitz, Patty, John in Miami, everybody kind of dives into and, and takes part of. And so this is uh, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about things that are somewhat personal to me and kind of go through the show notes. We'll do what we can and again, stumble through about some minutes of content and well, maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. We'll find out and I'll find out along the way as well and we'll go ahead and get started that way. Number one, why do something that is mirroring the efforts of one David Sampson? Well, I'm going to have an unpopular opinion. Maybe it's unpopular, maybe it's not. I think it's more popular than the show would lead you to believe. I like David Sampson. Now, granted, I don't have the history of Marlin's presidency uh, like many of the Lebetard folks do. I could understand there was a former GM of the Braves, uh, John Capalella, and, and quite honestly, Frank Wren, too, who, if they were doing a show and telling me that they were saying the truth and that they were being held out as experts, I would be very skeptical as well. I don't carry that type of baggage with me. So the truth of the matter is, is I have always enjoyed David's opinions and quite honestly, his frankness and directness. Uh, I'm in a city called Cartersville, Georgia in the South, and a lot of times conversations or comments are, we tend to be very indirect with our way of communicating. I'm a fan of direct communication. I'm originally from New York, moved down when I was 10. So I do appreciate the fact that people are going to come across and be kind of authentic, not be afraid to tell you who they are, not be afraid to tell you what they're thinking. I find David to be very refreshing that way. Some of that has to do with the fact that we're very close in age. I think his birthday is maybe three days before mine. We are the same age. I think he's 53 or 54. I'm 54. So there are some similarities to that. But the truth of the matter is, I listen to his podcast every single day. I'm a fan of what he does. I enjoy his conversation. I do think he's an expert on the business of sports. I find it rather insightful. And I guess lastly, I'd say there are times where I've listened to him and he's made me think. He's he's changed my view on some things. And he's also helped me. I'll give you an example before I move on to the show notes for this week. 
my daughter was applying. I've got a daughter. She's 25. And she was applying for her first post-college you know, job. And there was an episode that I actually sent her where David talked about negotiating salaries. And, you know, the conversation was more of, you know, people will ask you in a job interview, you know, what do you, what are your salary demands? Well, the truth of the matter is you should turn that question around on them and go, well, do you have budgeted for this? Or what were you paying the last person? Or, you know, the job of the employer is to get you to pay for less than the, the least amount that they can. And your job as an employee would be to try to maximize your income. So instead of answering that question, perhaps leaving money on the table, you kind of flip that whole script around. And there were a series of tactics that he put in that particular episode. And it was very timely, again, as my daughter was looking to have uh, her first job negotiation. And she used that tactic, and it actually netted her an additional $5,000 in salary. So there are real-world applications to the things that, uh, that I've listened to on David Sampson. If you don't listen to Nothing Personal with David Sampson, I would encourage you to do so, even if you don't like him. And, you know, I, I don't get it. I know on Thursdays when he's on with Mike Ryan, uh, last week on Midweek Mentions, we talked about things we can't get enough of. And I, I unfortunately left off, David, because I am such a fan of his, and especially the local hour with he and Mike Ryan every Thursday. Uh, if you go back to the pandemic times, some of those episodes were really the lifeline between entertainment and information and, and none at all uh, via the podcast. So again, I get upset when David gets kind of raked over the coals or somewhat disrespected uh, on the air. I think some of it is shtick, but I do think sometimes it really uh, it really bothers him and kind of hits him in a place that uh, he take that he does take it personally because as cold as sometimes he may come across, I think he's a very sensitive, thoughtful, and uh, somebody who's not afraid to admit that he's still working on himself. And I think that's refreshing and something that we should all be comfortable in trying to do. And in that way, he's kind of inspiring to me. All right, enough about David Sampson. We'll go on from there and talk about the series of shows from this past week. And it's been a fun time for me. Uh, we'll start with Monday. <laughs> Obviously, the show starts off with Stugatz uh, being Stugatz and just simply not being there. Away without leave, giving late notice. It's a story that evolves over the next few days on the podcast. And, you know, obviously he's out west and comes up with certain excuses. But he is an absolute no-show on Monday. Told everybody that he was unexpectedly swept away on Sunday night. And that is just absolutely on brand for him. The next thing that hit me was the use of Dan Lebitard's pronunciation of chasm as opposed to chasm. Now, I have a friend who works with me here at the radio station who is also of Cuban descent, and he will occasionally mispronounce a word. He's a news reporter. Sometimes he will mispronounce a word or pronounce a word a little bit differently. And the reason why is because, again, they're their second language or their first language, they speak multiple languages. And so I'm not going to criticize somebody's use of the English language. We all mispronounce things from time to time. But the the chasm was just driving me absolutely crazy. I don't know why that hit me in a place that was ultra irritating. You know, Witty has his bona fides and controversy and that sort of thing. But chasm versus chasm, take a moment, ask yourself, do you say chasm or do you say chasm? I'm absolutely on Team Chasm. Uh, Greg Cody with a surprise visit 
on Monday as opposed to Tuesday because of Stugatz's absence. His loan contribution was a very good one that has actually spilled in throughout the week as well. Middle infielder, utility guy for the Marlins, uh, he's, he dubs as Frank Asscrack. And that was out of left field, and that was, well, it was actually part of the middle infield, but he can play any position. Left field might be one of them. And it was absolutely fantastic. So thank you to Greg for the laughter with Frank Asscrack. As a side note to that, I would encourage you to also listen to the Greg Cody podcast with Greg Cody. And this past week's episode was a really good one. It didn't involve Greg Cody. It had Jeremy Taché, uh, obviously our friend Yeti Blanc, and Chris Cody all just kind of cutting it up on a number of different topics, minus Greg with the exception of a little bit of a cameo that he uh, made an impact on the show with. But again, check out the Greg Cody show uh, each Monday. That comes out around 7 o'clock. The next thing that came up, obviously, was a means uh, mishap. Again, we've had some long-themed things that have occurred over this week's shows. A means movie pitch, uh, where he had his, his issue with his... See, I'm not going to edit this either, so you're going to get all the bad stuff, too. It'll be just like nothing personal. Amin uh, had an issue uh, with his laptop that's well-documented. I don't really want to get into that an awful lot. But one thing that he did have uh, towards the tail end was talking about movie pitches. And uh, he had a movie pitch that I thought was pretty intriguing uh, in regards to the fact that it was (laughs) kind of religious-based, that the two guys that were hanging uh, next to Jesus are being crucified at the same time and how he had this twisted story how those two guys were in cahoots and always trying to scheme on something and then the the reason why these things would happen poorly would be because it was something that Jesus was doing off to the side obviously unintentionally that would thwart their efforts and so they came up with a plot that they had to kill Jesus I again I'm not hearing the whole plot I uh, don't want to get into too much of the religion side of things. I'm the kind of person that can, you know, laugh and, and take joy in the laughter of poking soft fun at religion, but uh, certainly anything that's got a an edge to it, I'm certainly not a fan of. But I thought that was interesting. It got me to thinking of a movie idea that I had once. The movie idea was about a guy that goes to a Chinese uh, restaurant and has a fortune cookie. We've all done that. You open up the fortune cookie and it tells him to play these lottery numbers and he's going to be rich. Well, he takes this word to heart and he decides that he is going to put all his life savings into every day playing this, becoming obsessed with this fortune cookie and doing what it tells it to, to the point where he loses his his job, he becomes destitute, his wife leaves him, he's homeless, he's in all this, to the point where he comes up with a crazy scheme to sue the manufacturer of the fortune cookie because it was that fortune cookie that sent him down this road to uh, to ruin and by some strange twist or fact I haven't got all this worked out but he ends up winning the lawsuit and he becomes you know he becomes a multimillionaire as a result of winning this lawsuit by following this fortune cookie's fortune which at the end obviously the twist is the fortune cookie was right I don't think you need to plan on seeing that on the big screen any time soon, but that's where I am. We'll be back with more of Something Personal with Matt Santini right after this. Welcome back to Something Personal with Mayor Matt, part of the Lauer After Hours family of podcasts, Midweek Menches. This is a special edition of Midweek Menches with Something Personal. Flying solo today and wanting to just share some thoughts with this week's show with you. Uh, we'll move on to Tuesday's shows. And 
Tony's overconfidence is something that has become rather cartoonish. I love the fact I've never been to Miami, but some of the glitz and glamour of Miami, he personifies what I envision Miami to be, is very into the aesthetic and thoroughly overconfident in ways that perhaps he doesn't need to be overconfident, bravado, uh, ultra macho, and I think it's funny on a couple different levels. A, it's entertaining to listen to in the blend of the show. Also, I think it turns into hijinks when he starts including Lewis or needs some backup. Uh, The whole bit with him having his car cut by a samurai sword was ridiculous and funny all at the same time, but they called him out on it, and a lot of times it appears to be a little bit of a house of cards that comes crumbling down whenever he's challenged or pushed or made to give some uh, documentation to what he is claiming to be. But the part that I thought was really funny was the overconfidence part and then also the story topping. And we all have a friend like this where it's, you know, I climbed, you know, this mountain in, you know, three hours. Well, you know, I did it in two and a half or somebody that's going to just keep on having to one up you when you're telling stories. It's not a competition. You can just sit back and relax. Yes, if you've got something to add. And even if it's like, well, this may not be as fantastic as what you did, but here was my experience in this way. But Tony seems to be the kind of guy that wants to be, as they called him, a story topper or a one upper. And that was uh, funny in the early part of the game. And then they started talking about game shows and uh, Ryan Seacrest and what shows they should host. It got me to thinking what game shows would be best suited for some of the shipping container members. Obviously, if we're going to hire a game show host from this group of people, it's very obvious that the the real candidate is is Billy Gill. Billy is going to be the most into it. He's not going to have to fake enthusiasm because he is such a big game show host. I can see him being on something uh, that is fast-paced, something like perhaps uh, the Joker's Wild or even Card Sharks. Um, something that has a lot of interaction with the match game would Billy would be very good at match game. As a matter of fact, the entire shipping container would be fun to have as a cast of match game, have them be the ones that have to match with the player. That would be fun. Um, Whittingham would be somebody uh, more like a jeopardy or something that was more like password, something a little slower moving that relies on a little bit of the cerebral side. And I couldn't really come up with anything good for the other members of the shipping container. Um, I don't think that Roy would really enjoy it. Uh, I think Jessica would perhaps be good at the weakest link or maybe the pyramid game. Uh, Mike Ryan does not want to interact with people, and so he wouldn't want to be a game show host either way. He might want to be a participant or maybe a square on the Hollywood squares. That would be fun, too, to stick all them in the Hollywood squares and to do a a celebrity Hollywood squares night with them. That would be fun. Moving on, um, pet peeve. There was a discussion about socks. And if you want to get me wound up about something that's absolutely pointless, it it is socks. Socks are to be matched. Socks are to be put together and put in the drawer. Chris talked about having all his socks just in a, in a bin or a basket or just stacked on top of the, the dryer, and the thought of it absolutely t- turned my stomach and actually gave me some flashbacks. My daughter, uh, at a younger age, would wear different colored socks, just things that wouldn't match, and 
the other thing is I would have to try to, you know, when trying to match up the socks when I'm doing laundry, I'm a guy that kind of likes doing the laundry. Don't It's a total side, side game. Coco, we're going to take a side break. I find folding clothes very therapeutic. There's something about it. Uh, the order, bringing order from chaos is uh, something that brings me a great deal of relief. So actually it's odd. Stress relief through folding clothes. Not so much when we're do, doing socks because she would have 25 socks, which doesn't make any sense, and there would be 20 different types of socks. There was nothing to match with, and I cannot fold two socks together that don't match. It just It's, it's an unholy union. I could, just can't do it. But Chris has no problem just throwing them all in a bin and not even keeping up with them either way. Uh, by the way, sock shoe, sock shoe is absolutely the trait of a sociopath. So, yeah, don't do not do that. That's just absolutely wrong. As confirmed by Stan Van Gundy during Wednesday's show, but I jump ahead. Uh, the last part on Tuesday's show that really moved my needle was the fact that Billy's uh, little girl Mia is going to – she's starting to walk. There's movement, and guess what? As a parent, he's right. Everything absolutely changes. Anybody who's a parent knows this. That first year or so when they're, you know, not really moving a lot, totally depend on on you for just about everything. And then it's like, oh, look, they're rolling over. Oh, that's cute. Oh, look, they're crawling a little bit. That's, you know, that's all fantastic, well and good. When that baby gets upright, gets bipodal and starts walking around, it is an absolute game changer. There was somebody mentioned getting your keys stolen. Chris said his passport got taken out of a drawer and put into her playroom. Uh, into Graceland's play. I mean, it's it's an absolute game changer. So I've enjoyed the limited views we get of Billy on social media being a parent and uh, those family moments. I'm really looking forward to hearing stories that he'll have with his daughter now that she's moving around. We'll be back with more of Midweek Menches and something personal with Mayor Matt right after this. Welcome back to Midweek Menches, special edition, something personal with me, Matt Santini. Uh, flying solo this week. And, you know, David Sampson has a word of the day every day, and I totally forgot to do that. The word of the day for this episode is solo. It's because I'm flying solo. And we'll move on from there on to Wednesday's shows. And I want to expand a, a little bit on something that they brought up about meteorology. And, yeah, that's kind of a topic to be interested by. But, you know, the discussion was had about what does percent, percent chance of rain mean and you know, all the discussion that surrounded that, yes, it evolved into something different. But I want to tell you my experience as an elected official and also a radio station manager who has to keep an eye on whether it's a, it's a daily part of everybody's lives. It's part of the information that people look for. But I will tell you that what you see on the news, uh, the meteorologists, yes, they all know what they're doing. But I will, I will give you the inside baseball on where they get their information. They get it from NOAA, which is out of uh, Washington, D.C. And I, I know this because when there are severe weather events that are planned for our area, you know, in the south we tend to have uh, ice and snow occasionally. These ice storms can be really difficult because we're not equipped to handle large amounts of, of snow, number one, or winter weather because we don't get it that often. But also, I don't care where you are, when there's ice, there's there's going to be issues. So when there are you know, pretty well-known hurricanes or snow events coming up. Uh, I'll get asked if I want to sit in with debriefings with our 
public safety officials, and I typically do because it's interesting on a number of levels. What's interesting to me is that when you sit in the room with all these public safety folks listening and trying to plan for power outages or what problems may be coming up, the information that is given to you by NOAA, it is total scientifically driven. It is absolutely, this is, here's what this model shows, here's what this shows, here's what this one might have, and these are some of the things that happen. Because in the end, yes, they are forecasting. They don't know exactly what's going to happen. But it's sent to you in a very objective and plain type of uh, presentation. There's PowerPoints that come with it that kind of show all these different models and what they do, percentages. And, of course, they update these as the, the events get closer. What's fascinating to me and what you may interested to be interested to know is that these meteorologists are getting that same exact information when you, when you see the objective presentation and then they turn right back around and you see it on TV. It is, it is such a production and again, that's their job. I'm not begrudging the meteorologists that, but they present it to you in a way that they're selling to you that you have to take this more seriously than you probably are. I'm the real expert on this, or this is something you need to absolutely pay attention to, which may not necessarily be false, but the presentation of it, they add a layer of subjectivity and flair to this just hard data that is being sent out from scientists. And then it's put in front of performers and there's a little bit of a a show tune and show dance that goes along with it that um, I can just tell you what you're seeing on the TV is obviously meant to entice you and lure you in and make you look at the bells and whistles more than just presenting you the objective data so that you can prepare and do what's absolutely right and proper there. Uh, Welcome back, Stu Gotts, on Wednesday, by the way. Uh, A brief appearance uh, via the Zoom and he was having problems with his microphone and hitting things. One of my largest pet peeves on the air. Oh my gosh, his microphone issues. He kept on having it. You can hear in the voices of everybody else there that it was an absolute shit show and just an irritant to the point of no return. I have uh, another friend who works with me here at uh, WBHF radio in Cartersville. We do broadcasts together and he is, uh, extremely talented guy, but what he do, he will adjust his microphone uh, in front of his face, and when he does, you can hear all of it. Or if you have to, you know, occasionally somebody will come to you and just start talking during a broadcast. Instead of turning down the volume on the on your headsets and then taking it off, he'll just take off his headset and put it on the table, which of course is all over the place. But the biggest irritant is as we're doing baseball games, occasionally there's a need to erase and rewrite, and he will erase and then blow the the shape the pencil shavings off of his time sheet his score sheet and oh my gosh it goes out over the air just like it just did right there ah absolute irritant but so i took a great joy in hearing stugat's number one but in two in hearing the irritation of everybody else having to deal with him as he had his microphone issues the last thing i'll bring up here is we wind things down. Actually, I'm going to try to remember to do a a review of something before we get out of here. Uh, Again, to keep this in homage with uh, David Sampson and nothing personal, this is Mayor Matt with something personal. Just droning on is if you listen to David, he says it's not easy to do to go on for 45 minutes. And I can attest to that. Uh, The Michelle Tafoya interview, I had no idea 
what Michelle Tafoya was doing um, or why she was coming on the air. I thought they were going to talk about old sports stories and they were going to talk about just, you know, things that were going on in the world of sports. I had no idea that she had a new podcast and that's what they were out there to do. And I'm certain that by even talking about this, some people are going to get angry or upset or have a, a visceral reaction to either to way that Michelle Tafoya presented herself and the arguments that she made, or the, even some have been critical of Mike Ryan and the way that he kind of went back at her. The thing that's interesting to me is that, again, we all kind of think we're in the middle. I kind of I define myself as as a passionate moderate, uh, maybe a little bit right of center fiscally, but certainly. Uh, I would say left of center when it comes to many of the social issues, especially the ones that are around today. It's not about me in politics, so I don't really want to get into that an awful lot. But it seemed to me as the conversation went on, it got, it got very heated very quickly, which which puzzled me because, again, I thought we were having her on as a guest to just kind of talk about sports musings. Obviously, it wasn't that. It was her passion project. And, again, it quickly turned into a very pointed discussion. Mike uh he he got into it pretty good with her, and she made some good points back. And again, I'm not here to assign winners and losers. What I found interesting about it is is the whole point of her podcast, we kind of found out at the end when they finally got around to saying, oh, she's got a podcast, is that she enjoys having, she wants to have these difficult conversations. Well, these difficult conversations, you saw how quickly heated it got on the Lebetard show and how people quickly dug in their heels and you know, set up camp where they were. Certainly your perspective, I think a lot of people are guilty of this. I try not to be, but I'm sure I am just as guilty in some ways. You know, you're you're kind of a victim to what your life experience is and what your surroundings are. And again, in Florida, it came out in this conversation where in Florida, there's some things that are being passed down there that really aren't applicable to what her life experience is in Minnesota. And so the divide there, when you try to have these conversations is that the, your total life perspective is different. I think that's, again, I think that was kind of the, one of the underlying themes of what she wants to achieve in her podcast is to have these conversations and try to advance and find that common ground. Because at the end of the day, I do firmly believe that 80% of this country resides somewhere in the middle and wants some level of reasonableness. The other 10% are the extremes on the two sides that tend to dominate the news cycle and tend to dominate the conversation and really stop anything really being done for the people. Um, so uh, again, I, I was, un, I was made very uncomfortable with the conversation just because it got a little bit more pointed, but the truth of the matter is that's why we don't have as, as good of communication and have these kinds of conversations because very quickly people try to dig into the corner or use their perspectives. I applaud both sides Again, I know that sounds very Pollyanna of me, because I do believe that everybody needs to be treated equally. I do believe that we have a history in our country that we need to teach facts, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, and some of it is extremely ugly. To bury our head in the sand with it doesn't advance the ball anywhere. And the truth of the matter is, any learned person is going to want to learn about events from many different perspectives, so you have a better perspective on what actually did happen. Yes, there were things that happened throughout history that if you can get a second perspective of it or an alternate perspective of it, uh, I'll give you another example of a friend uh, that I work with here at the radio station. She's my news director, happens to be African-American, has been in the news business for 30 years. We have fantastic conversations about things. And one of the 
topics that typically comes up when she's talking with people in the community is that, oh, it was so much better back then. Oh, the good old days, the good old days. Well, these are older people who were really referring back to the 50s and the 60s. And, and they don't mean anything by it. But the truth of the matter is her perspective is, well, you mean back in the days where people couldn't drink out of the same water fountain or eat at the same restaurants? That's what you, That was the good old days to you, how we all got along then? Again, it's it's all a matter of your life perspective. And I think it does need to be addressed. And I applaud anybody that's willing to have those difficult conversations. And again, that one got very difficult very quickly. But the alternative is to just bury your head in the sand and not have these conversations. You know, towards the end of the conversation, I did think they found some level of common ground and were able to find some things that were constructive. Early on, it was very combative. And Again, I applaud the effort to at least try to take on these challenges because it has to be very nuanced. And you are going to say something that's going to offend the other side and how you're going to react to that, both as the sender of the information and the receiver of the information. It's going to determine how everything you know moves forward in trying to find that common ground and find those areas where we can work together to actually get things done because it's not happening in the political spectrum right now. I'll tell you that, again, a local elected official, my mantra here in our city is we don't have to be like the rest of the world. We can be the example for other people to follow. And we try to do that in our community. Are we perfect? We certainly are not. We have problems just like every other community or problems that you have wherever you're listening to. And you know, but how are you going to address them? Are you going to address them by burying your head in the sand? Are you going to address them by sweeping them under the carpet? Are you going to try to address them by trying to reach out and have conversations with people, again, to try to find that commonality on the things you can do together versus trying to make sure that one side wins and one side loses? That's not the way the system was set up, but it seems to be the way that things tend to be working a lot, especially on the national scale. I want to thank you all for giving me the time and attention if you're still listening to this thing. It has been kind of like a therapy session for me. I will give you one very quick review, I guess more of a recommendation than a review. If you have not watched the uh, HBO series Barry, I would encourage you to do that. It It stars Bill Hader, who you may remember from Saturday Night Live. This is not a comedy. It's it's almost like a Coen Brothers type of, it starts out being funny in season one if you haven't seen it, but it has certainly evolved. I didn't watch Dexter, but I think it might be taking on some similar tones and themes that uh, that Dexter took. The season finale of season three was this past weekend, and it was phenomenal. It's left the show in a place where you just kind of go, all right, how can they possibly move forward but I know that they will. The acting job by Bill Hader, again, who, you know, one of his more beloved characters was Stefan on uh, the Weekend Updates. He has got some real acting chops. And I'm talking about from a dramatic uh, perspective. And obviously, there, there's a little bit of comedy that's mixed into this. It's, it's dark in nature. But what a great job by Bill Hader and Barry. So if you have not taken the time to check that out as you're going through the summer, if you got HBO Max, go back, stream that, and check that all out. I, again, thank you for muddling through this therapy session with me. Hope you've enjoyed the week of shows on The Levitard Show, and hope you've enjoyed this edition of Something Personal with uh, me, Mayor Matt. I'm in Cartersville, Georgia, at Santini Matt on Twitter. We also encourage you to listen to all the other uh, podcasts here on the Lauer After Hours family of podcasts, Cinema, which just had a great episode with Top Gun. And then we also have post-post-game and Laughter the Club. 
Also, if you're looking for gear, go to shop.lowerafterhours.com. And again, have a great week. Enjoy the Levitard Show. Thanks, guys, for all the content and all the fun that you're getting into our lives every single week. This is Matt Santini, and we'll see you next time on Midweek Benches. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lower After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lower After Hours or Instagram at Lower After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.